Welcome to Grace Capital Church Podcast, broadcasting from our Pembroke campus. Have you ever felt that God has failed you? Have you ever been disappointed that something didn't happen the way you thought it should? The job that you felt God promised you that you didn't get. The spouse that you thought you were going to have. The opportunities in life that you felt from a young person that God placed some seeds in you and you haven't seen them come to pass yet. Have you ever felt that God has failed you? Have you felt that somehow God wasn't capable to to do what he said he's going to do? If you have your Bibles, turn to Genesis chapter 12. Genesis chapter 12. This is the account of Abraham. And the account will go all the way to chapter 22. And I'm going to be talking about different parts of the story. Today we are on part two of the resurrected life. We're going to be looking at Abraham's life and and how God promised him something. And his promise didn't come to pass the way Abraham thought in the timing that he thought. And we're going to discover what it means to have a promise resurrected. There's something really important that we need to do. If we feel like God's promised us something, we haven't seen it come and pass yet, we have to understand that there's a posture that we need to take. But let's get into the scripture first. Genesis chapter 12, really easy to find this one. It's the beginning in the Bible, the first book of the Bible. This is God's promise to Abraham, who was named Abram at the time. Verse 2. I'll start in verse 1. And the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you, and I will make you a great nation. Can everybody say great nation? nation. And I will bless you and make your name great. Can everybody say great? great? That you will be a blessing. Everybody say a blessing. And I will bless those who bless you and him who dishonors you, I will curse. And in you, all the families in the earth shall be blessed. Oh my, what a promise. (laughs) I will make you a great nation. Well, just a second. He says, go leave your family, go leave the place you know, and go out there. And by the way, in the process of going, I will end up making you a great nation. It goes on to later to say, I will, your descendants will be as numerous as the stars in the sky. That's a lot. So let me ask you again, have you ever felt that God has failed you? Have you ever felt between the promise and the result of the promise, that time frame, that somehow maybe you like, did I miss it? Does God not able? What's going on? And the question has to be for us, what is the posture that we take? When the promise seems to pass, what becomes your posture? When the promise seems to pass, what becomes your posture? 
You see, we can control, we can control it, but from experience, anytime you think that you want to try to control something that God has planned, you probably complicate it. You can try to control it, but I'll tell you what, you're going to complicate it. There was a time in my life, a young man, I, I, you know a little bit of my story. I grew up in the church, a Presbyterian church, and I had an encounter with the Holy Spirit in my living room when I was the age 22. is the year I got married, 1993. A friend of my brother stopped by, and I didn't know anything about prophecy. I didn't know anything about prophets. I thought, you know, what you read in the Bible is what you read in the Bible, and that's it. But for people like this morning, we experience that God can still speak to us today through people. And this gentleman, a friend of my brother's, came and started giving me a prophetic word about my future. I'm going to read you part of it. This was July 1st, 1993. I wrote it down and I still have the book. It says, I'm going to raise you up as a son. I'm going to be putting you in my army. I'm putting you in the ranks. I want you to know that you are not only, you're going to be in the business world for a short time. At that time, I was working for the family business. Goes on to saying, I'm bringing prosperity upon you. I'm bringing prosperity down upon you. All the things you desire to have in your life, even down to a convertible sports car. (laughs) So as a young 22-something, that was like, God, you are awesome. You know, it's like, whoo, bring it, Jesus. I want to let you know that 1993, that's like 20 some odd years ago, um... I actually haven't picked this up in a long, long time, but this past summer, I actually got a convertible sports car. I didn't even think about it at the time, but this convertible sports car actually drove in my driveway after I had just sold my 2016 Honda Accord because that's what I had to do a project on the house that we wanted to do as a family. Well, we sold the car. We didn't do the project, but... But in the meantime, this Mercedes-Benz convertible SLK 240 drives into my driveway. Now, it sounds nice. It's an old car. But in it, it's a gift. So the Lord gave me this gift. But at the time, it was, just in case you see me driving it, your, your, your giving does not go to give me a convertible sports car. It was $3,000, just an FYI. I sold my $18,000 car, and this $3,000 car shows. But the point is, some 20 years later, I'm now reading this last night, and all of a sudden, this thing sticks out to me like, God's only going to give me a convertible sports car. Now, as a kid, you're thinking, oh, my word, he must just be blessing me financially, not even thinking that this convertible sports car would ever drive in my driveway. Let me go on to tell you something else, a little bit more of substance here. But God cares about the details, by the way. There's nothing wrong with the material things. It's what happens in our heart. It says, I'm going to teach you and I'm going to train you to go touch the young people. You're going to touch those who are in famine and those who are down in the rags. And you're going to have a Joseph ministry of restoring finances and touching the poor and those who are in lack. 
Interestingly, at that point in time, I was in business. I then became a youth pastor. And then I started a nonprofit that would deal with people of extreme poverty. It's so funny that at the age of 22, you, you start to begin to see these things unfold, but you don't even remember sometimes the things that God has spoken to your life. But when I was asked to leave Bible school, like you heard a few weeks ago, it left a lot of questions in my mind whether or not God really knew what he was doing. But you have to understand what becomes my posture in the process of accomplishing the promise. Three years later, this same guy gave me another prophetic word. And I'm not going to read it, but it, the point was, it's, it's, I'm beginning to see that the, the posture that we need to take between the promise and God fulfilling the promise is so important for us to actually not complicate what God wants to do. So let's go back to Abraham. Between the time that God gave the promise, by the time that Sarah actually gave birth to Isaac, was 30 years. I want to let you know that Abraham complicated something along the way. If you know the story, Sarah, his wife, was getting beyond childbirthing years, or she was, and at the age of 90 around, finally gets pregnant. But beforehand, Abraham goes to God and says, God, for me to be a father of a nation, that means we have to have people from our lineage. God, hello, we need some people to make this nation happen. So his posture was control. Eventually, he didn't see it, the promise coming to pass, so he tried to control it, and he slept with not his wife to produce a child who produced Ishmael. And in that, pro, that, that, that promise, trying to control it, he complicated it. And I'll tell you, it's not bad enough having one woman in the house. He has two women in the house. Well, it's not bad having one woman. Let me, let me back up a little bit. <laughs> Let me back up. I just, I just want, I just want to let you know I was at a marriage conference this past weekend, uh, um, and <laughs> Audra, I was just thinking about not you. I was just thinking about sometimes it's difficult. Not with you though, or my home. Oh my word! I get myself into these messes. Okay, so Abraham complicated the situation by sleeping with Hagar and now there's two women in the house and they're bickering, they're fighting and Sarah's getting jealous that, that they, Abraham finally produced a son, Ishmael and that was never his, God's plan. God knew what he was doing but Abraham postured himself to try to control the situation and he complicated it. Now, thankfully, God is faithful can we say amen to that? Amen. God is faithful to still accomplish the things he's purposed, 
But between the promise and what he wants to accomplish, do we complicate in the middle? And I just encourage each one of us, there's a way that we should not complicate it. And it means don't try to control it. Even though that there is a promise that God has given you, we need to, need to say, God, you're faithful to accomplish what you want to do through my life without trying to control it. You see, there's a couple postures we can have. We can control it or we can, we can jockey for position or stir up opposition. I'll make it happen. I'll fight for it. I'll force it. But if the promise becomes an idol... God might just ask you to sacrifice the promise. See, if you start looking at Abraham's life a little bit further, finally Sarah gives birth to a child, Isaac, the promised one. And Abraham starts to consider that this is my promise and this is my promise and look at this shiny little convertible car. Oh, it's amazing. And if the promise becomes the object of your affection, he can ask you to sacrifice the promise. And Abraham, that's exactly what God did, is he said, Abraham, I, I need you to do something for me. I, I need you to take Isaac and go to a mountaintop, and I need you to sacrifice him. I wonder what Isaac was thinking as he was carrying a load of wood on his back up the mountaintop. Now, if you recall the story, God saves Abraham from having to do such a horrendous thing. But I wonder what took place in Abraham's heart as he was walking up that mountain. Saying, God did I start caring more about the promise, the great things that you want to do through my life than I started caring about you? God, could it possibly be that I've, I've been so focused on this greatness that you want to do through me that, that I forgot that it's actually you that is, should be my affection, not my greatness? Have the promises that God's spoken in your life, by the way, every single one of you has a promise for your life. God's purposed your life for significance. He has. Every single person who is sitting here, God has purposed your life for great significance for him and his kingdom. You wouldn't be on earth if he hadn't. He has a plan and a purpose for each one here. But as he starts speaking those promises to you, as we grow closer to the Lord, as we cultivate getting into his presence and he speaks to us and he puts these promises in us, we have to watch out that the promises don't steal the affection of our hearts. Because the only affection that God cares about is our affection towards him. Now he wants to work through our life. He wants to work through our life. You see, God gives us a promise to accomplish something through you, but when you make the promise an accomplishment and you make it about you, it becomes an idol for you. And God's heart is always about a relationship with us. And he doesn't want these things to get in the way, even though he wants to work amazing things through you. 
So this message is, yes, it's about a resurrected promise. He wants to resurrect our promises in our life that, that sometimes we've been beaten down by life and we's like, it's not going to happen. The promise has passed me by. And, I'm, and again, I say, what is your posture when you think the promise has passed you by? Do you control it? Or maybe just say, you know, I give up. And maybe is that not a bad place? As long as when you give up, you reorient your focus on the affections of God who loves you. You see, he's faithful to accomplish the things that he wants through your life. We can have faith in a faithful God. And your promise can be resurrected. And I want to also give you some, some encouragement Abraham, when he messed up and he slept with Hagar and produced Ishmael, guess what? God was still faithful to produce the promise. So even when we mess up, God still shows up. That shouldn't be like permission to go, let, I'll just live my life the way I want to live. Don't, don't hear that. What I'm saying is, in our efforts to try to please God, if we mess up along the way, He's still faithful to accomplish the promise that he's placed in your life. He's still faithful. He's still faithful. So the question I have for us is, can we still expect God to be faithful even when the promise is not visible? Can you still expect God to be so faithful even when the promise is not visible. Can I tell you what? The fruition of that promise in Abraham's life did not actually take place until 400 years later. Until after Abraham was long gone. You see, it wasn't until Abraham who had Isaac, Isaac who bore a son named Jacob, Jacob, who had his 12 sons that became the 12 tribes of Israel. And then you have Joseph, who was a ruler in Egypt. And the Israelites lived in Egypt for a season until they became enslaved. And it wasn't until Moses led them out of slavery into a promised land that then Moses got the law, which was really symbolizing that you no longer are under the authority of another nation. I have become your nation. And it took 400 years for that promise to actually come to fruition. So I would wonder that sometimes when we don't see the fruit and if we don't see the visible sign of the promise that has, God has given us, we have to still say, is God who he says he is? And is he faithful? Is he faithful? If the worship team wants to come back up at this time. Here's the bottom line. To have your promises resurrected in your life, we have to come to the place of saying, Christ is enough. Jesus is enough. We have to come to that place where we understand that 
Will Jesus be enough for you? Or do you need all these other things in your life for it to be enough? I think when Abraham was walking up that mountaintop, thinking about what he would have to do to sacrifice his promise, I think there came a place of repentance in his heart and saying, maybe I've made the promise an idol. Maybe I've made your promise of my greatness somehow more important than your faithfulness. Is Jesus enough for you? If if your world came crashing down tomorrow, do you crash with your world? Or do you stay standing on the rock of Jesus? I believe that that word that was given to us this morning was was a word for us to understand that our trials are to build us and to grow us, that God is wanting to bring us to deeper places, higher places, broader places. He wants to do things, more things through us, but he doesn't, the promises, he doesn't want them to tear us down or to distract us or become idols for us. He is saying, I want your affection still to be on me. And he's growing us. He's growing us as a church. But as he starts giving you those promises, we have to understand then what is our posture as we're waiting for God to accomplish something through my life. And the best way we need to do it, actually there's a scripture in 2 Corinthians. Such is the confidence that we have through Christ toward God. This is 2 Corinthians 3, 4. Such is the confidence that we have through Christ toward God. Not that we are sufficient in ourselves to claim anything as coming from us, but our sufficiency is from God who has made us sufficient to be ministers of a new covenant not of the letter but of the spirit for the letter kills but the spirit gives life what he was talking about is the just the dead religion versus the life of the spirit and the spirit is moving in each of us he's moving in this church And he's going to be birthing these promises. He's going to be speaking life. He's going to be casting vision for what he wants to do through us. It's going to be fun and exciting. And we're going to be, oh my word, God, you want to do this through my life? But he's giving us a sober warning to say, don't let the promise become the idol in your life. It might just make you want to sacrifice it. But he's saying, will will Jesus be enough for you? And even if you don't see that promise come to fruition in your life, guess what? These promises many times are generational. 
So maybe it's going to be in your kid's life or your grandkid's life, or maybe you're never going to see it, but you're going to be planting seeds along the way that are going to allow the promise to be birthed in future generations. He has a promise. He wants to resurrect resurrect this promise, but he wants to make sure that Christ is enough. Christ is enough. Thank you for listening to the Grace Capital Church Podcast. If you'd like to know more about this podcast and the mission that we have in New England, or if this podcast has been a blessing to you and you would like to support this ministry financially, please visit us online at gccnh.com 